Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I'm talking with a couple of members of NCIA's Risk Management and Insurance Committee, Ian Stewart and Adam Pat. Ian Stewart is founder and co-chair of the Cannabis and Hemp Law Practice at Wilson Elser, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 850 attorneys in 37 offices in the U.S. and London. Ian leads a national multidisciplinary team of lawyers who serve all aspects of the cannabis and hemp industries, as well as financial institutions and insurance companies that service those industries. Since 2008, Adam Pat has served in leadership roles as president for both I Can Insure LLC and Maxim Assurance Agency. With over 20 years of experience, Adam's industry knowledge and attention to detail has earned his agency's multiple insurance awards for best practices and best in class. His strong background in risk management, safety programs, and IT solutions supports their continued success. And as I mentioned, both Ian and Adam serve on NCIA's Risk Management Committee, which promotes the interests of the cannabis industry's risk management and insurance sectors, developing strategies for their responsible advancement and keeping everyone out of trouble. Is that right, guys? Welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Bethany. Good to be here. Absolutely. Uh, So let's start and get to know you both a little bit better. Uh, Ian, could you briefly tell us a little bit more about your background and experience before getting involved in cannabis? Uh, yeah, sure, Bethany. Thanks. So I, I've been an attorney for close to 25 years now, and uh, I've um, uh, by by background, I'm a, I'm a product liability and IP attorney primarily, uh, and do a lot of insurance risk management, and um, you know have have been interested in the California market for years. Uh, but you know we had a hard time. I'm, I'm with a large firm, and <clears throat> it wasn't until about 2015 that <clears throat> excuse me that we were ready to make the jump, and I think we made it early. <clears throat> compared to many other large firms, but even then it was, uh, it was a bit, bit of a challenge and it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't doable except for the fact that the, the, the London insurance market, the, the Lloyd's market at that time were servicing the industry. And that's, that's sort of how I got started. And, um, you know, I'm glad they did. They, they exited in 2015 and it made the way uh, clear for the current uh, cannabis insurance market as it's sort of constituted today. But, uh, but it was really London that, that got me involved initially. Oh, wow. Did you have any personal hesitancy about moving into uh, working, you know, servicing an industry that's still federally illegal and has so many hoops to jump through? You know, it's it's funny um, because, you know, 
now it seems so quaint that reputational risk would be even, you know, a problem because it just isn't that way at all um, in the last few years. But yeah, I mean, back back then, reputationally, I think it was still a bit of a concern because I think that, um, you know, there were traditional clients and, you know, partners certainly within the firm that, that weren't as uh, open to the idea. Yeah, totally get that. Absolutely. As an activist for, you know, almost 20 years myself, it's it, it's been interesting to see the change over the years. But yeah, there's still a, f- a few people out there that are, I don't know, a little hesitant. How about you, Adam? Uh, t- tell me more about your background, things that you did before shifting into the wonderful world of cannabis. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me as well, Bethany. Um, my entire career has primarily been focused on technical roles, really. The first eight years of my professional experience was rooted in the computer industry, providing retail and OEM computing solutions to large national and international companies. And that was followed by another technical role in which I assisted environmental health and safety leadership of uh, Fortune 500 companies navigate NFPA 70E, which are standards for electrical safety in the workplace. So I helped those companies um, establish safe practices to protect their employees from arc flash hazard and, and electrical hazards. And in that role, I found a real passion for risk management and have continued on that risk management trajectory in the insurance industry with both Maxim Assurance Agency, which is a third generation retail agency, as well as I can insure, which is an agency focused solely on businesses operating in the cannabis space. Absolutely. And and for you as well, when you when you started working for cannabis companies, uh, servicing servicing our industry, were were you hesitant? Did did you have a reason for wanting to get involved in our industry as well, despite all, like I was saying to to Ian, all the hoops to jump through? Yeah, no. Uh it was it was an interesting venture. I mean, I had my personal reasons for getting involved. Um, I've, I've always been a proponent of cannabis and have personally seen the ways in which it's provided relief to people in need, you know, whether it's people with chronic ailments or um, some people who are close to me who are terminally ill. So offering my services to companies that initially set out to help others um, was certainly an attractive you know, personal reason to get involved. Um, as far as hesitancy, not so much. Actually, that's one of the primary reasons from a business standpoint that I did get involved. I'm, I'm based in Chicago and here in the Midwest, uh, when I started ICANN Insure in 2017, I remember going to my first NCIA quarterly caucus and there were 17 people there. <laughs> it was just, it was just uh, way behind where Ian's at out in, uh, in California. It was kind of a, a new blossoming industry out here. And people didn't have a local ally um, who is knowledgeable to go to in this part of the country, period. I mean, people are going to the other side of the world to get their insurance and didn't have close personal relationships with their with their agents and brokers. And uh, I found there was an absolute need for that. So I, I hopped in and uh, jumped in head first. And here we are four years later with clients from coast to coast. Yeah, fantastic. Great. So I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, both of you serve on NCIA's risk management and insurance committee. Uh, each of you run your, your own companies as well. Ian's company there, Wilson Elser, uh, you're a law firm, of course, and Adam, you are with ICANN Insure LLC. Um, Ian, do you want to tell me the latest and greatest of what's happening at your law firm and and how that's feeding into your committee work? Sure. Um, so, Bethany, I think um, we're we're seeing a lot of you know from the kind of insurance um, and and legal space uh, for cannabis a lot of really nice opportunities that are 
going to be presented, I think, to the cannabis industry to try to solve some really sticky, thorny problems uh, for risk management. And that includes new, new insurance vehicles. So, you know, one big problem that the, that the cannabis industry has had over the last few years is a lack of specialty insurance products, most, most notably directors and officers and, and other what we call management liability policies. Um, and these are ones that protect the, you know, the actual management from decisions made, um, uh, you know, on behalf of the company and also the company itself from investors or, or third party suits where they claim that, you know, that perhaps the business made a bad judgment or violated a, a, a regulation, maybe that, that caused a loss, whatever it may be, um, uh, as well as, you know, employment practices, insurance and cyber insurance and, and some of these um, these specialty policies. And I think that that we're going to see a lot. Uh, of new action in the market, which is going to really benefit operators uh, in that regard. Um, and then, and then the other thing I, I think we've we've seen recently is a um, is a is a a, a move uh, or a shift from uh, product liability type cases that that are um, uh, you know consumer focused to real kind of. Uh, injury focused cases. And I, and I, and I think that, that our, our, our team here is starting to see that happen in a few states. And we can talk about that in a little bit, but, but, the, um, uh, but, but there's insurance you know, options there as well. And so I think that you know, the industry is in, is in a really good place right now for, for being able to protect itself. But there are some kind of warning signs on the horizon in terms of you know, new types of litigation that may be coming. Mm, mm. Well, it's a good thing I've got you both on the show today to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Adam, how about how about you? What's what's new with I can insure and and how's that uh, informing your work with the committee? Yeah, it's things are going great uh, with with all of the new uh, state legislation that's that's passing. What seems to be on a day to day basis. I mean, things are kind of gangbusters. It's it's fun. It's super exciting to be part of an emerging industry like this. Uh, there are so many entrepreneurs and people with just great ideas out there uh, and it's it's a privilege to be to be working with the, those folks on on the risk management and and strategy aspects of uh, of their business planning so i spend a lot of my day engaged with clients even though i'm the president of both of these companies it's that's really my passion is is working with clients and and getting to know them and their businesses and yeah, it's just an honor to be part of that that's great. Yeah, I, um, I, I work on the, I work with our committees uh, to an extent whenever they publish educational blogs or, or some policy reports. And we just recently published a, it, an insurance manual, kind of the basics of an overview for cannabis insurance from your committee. So that's a great new industry report uh, that folks can head to our website, thecannabisindustry.org navigate to our industry reports area of our website and check out the insurance manual that this committee uh, made up of dozens or at least a dozen folks um, have worked on uh, over the last several weeks, if not longer, uh, to put something together. And it's meant to be uh, the first of a series of manuals to support the cannabis industry as it continues to evolve in order to be treated just like every other industry in America. Yeah. Awesome. Great. All right. Let's take our first commercial break and we'll come back and chat more with Adam Pat and Ian Stewart about risk management in the cannabis industry. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. 
your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with NCIA, chatting with a couple of folks who sit on our Risk Management and Insurance Committee here at NCIA, Adam, Pat, and Ian Stewart. All right, so... As, as members of the RMIC, if we're going to put some alphabet soup to it, part of that is managing risk. I mean, that means not losing money, not getting sued. So let's talk more about risk management as an operator in the cannabis industry, generally speaking. Ian, can you kind of give us the lay of the land? Yeah, Bethany. Um, so... You know, I think as a as an operator, um, it, it's it's helpful to I think um, take advantage of the benefit of hindsight. So now we've got actually, you know, a few years of a pretty robust, um, uh, 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 you know, data set of claims and litigation in a number of states, and we can sort of see, um, kind of from a macro level, um, you know, what uh, predictions were born out from, you know, five or six years ago as to what litigation may look like and, 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 you know, what was unexpected. So, you know, certainly things like the vape crisis of, you know, 2019 and now the, the, the Delta eight controversy and, you know, things like that are popping up, which were unforeseen, but in terms of actual risk where, where companies are, are, are paying out uh, either, you know, on their own dime or through insurance, um, uh, through through claims and litigation. I think what what we see is a is a bit of a discrepancy between what we call first party and third party claims. So first party claims are are, are losses that an operator, whether you're a retailer or a distributor or manufacturer, or whatever. If you have a, if you have a loss, you know, a theft, a fire, you know, something that happens to you and you make a claim against, you know, your, your, your insurance. That's a first party claim. Third party is when, you know, something else, an outside force happens, you know, it's a tort claim or, you know, other kind of liability, you know, claim or litigation. And, and we've now got enough data to show that, uh, or to, to know that those first party losses are, you know, greatly outweighing right now the third party, meaning that <clears throat> the losses that operators are incurring from those fires and thefts and other, other things like that, recalls, you know, things like that um, are um, higher uh, as a general statement than the third party claims. But I think that what we're going to see is, is we're going to see that shift a bit as time goes on. And uh, we'll probably see those first party claims drop a bit in, in acuity and severity. And the third party claims start to start to get a little bit uh, more active. Um, and then, you know, in terms of individual operators, you know, if you're a retailer, um, you know, many of your day-to-day risk management um, sort of, you know, basics are, you know, similar to other type of retail um, industries. Of course, you've got some, you know, some different uh, premises risks and so forth, you know, security risks. Um, but, but, you know, I think that the, um, uh, 
and, and, and the same is true, by the way, for, for manufacturing and, and, and cultivation. <clears throat> but what I think the cannabis industry really needs to do is to get out of this mindset, <clears throat> because I hear this a lot, that they say, well, I'm compliant with the regulations. <clears throat> you know, so we say, well, you know, <clears throat> what are you doing to address this risk or that risk? And, and the answer often is, well, you know, I look at the regulations and I make sure that I'm compliant with and, you know, that's that's good and that's necessary. Of course, if you're not compliant with the regulations, you're not operating legally. But that's not the end of the the answer. I mean, what re, what they really should think about is that the regulations are just the minimum standard mm-hmm. and that this is a developing industry and that, you know, the actual standard of care, the standard of conduct is still being developed, you know, through the courts and, and other places. And um, and so I think that companies really do need to be kind of on guard. And, um, you know, and we'll, we can talk later in the in the podcast about a few things that they can do specifically. But um, but I think that, um, you know, having a, um, a a mindset of, you know, don't just rely on the regulations, look past the regulations to, you know, the developing standard of care around testing, around labeling, around distribution is really important. Mm -hmm. Yep. We're sometimes putting the airplane together while it's flying in the air, it feels sometimes here. But yeah, Adam, did you have uh, any other thoughts uh, to add about about the the big picture landscape here for cannabis operators and risk management? Yeah, you know, along those same lines, in general, I'd say don't take shortcuts. It's, It's just not worth it. I mean, there are a lot of people, like I said, doing great things in this industry. And as an entrepreneur, it can certainly be tempting to cut corners in an effort to save money or time when either funds are tight or licensing or legislation processes are taking forever. And although this might yield short-term gains, it can easily lead to long-term losses in one way or another. So operate with integrity, do the right thing from the start, pay attention to the details and make sure your bases are covered from the beginning and your operational foundation is solid. And I think that's of crucial importance to anybody in any aspect of the business. And, you know, from an insurance perspective, I think that's, it's absolutely necessary, but it's, you know, that's kind of the second line of defense, isn't it? I mean, first line is making sure you're doing the right things from the start. So you never need the insurance to kick in in the first place. Mm. Um, and, and from that, you know, from the insurance side of things to make sure that you're purchasing coverage that actually matches your operations needs. And there are a lot of people that, you know, there are people on different sides of the spectrum uh, where you know, some people have absolutely despise the idea of even having to carry insurance and don't want to pay a penny more for it than they absolutely have to do the bare minimum and let's get by with that. And then there's people on the other end of the spectrum that want to create a fortress around their business, which is great in theory, um, but certainly not completely doable under any circumstance. So mm. somewhere, somewhere in the middle and to know what your operation your operational risks truly are and try to match that with with coverage the best that you can so that in the event you need it it actually performs as necessary because the coverage doesn't do you any good if there is no co- <laughs> if there is no coverage for it and that said the duty to defend you know if there's no coverage there's no defense for it either so the policy doesn't the, the insurance company doesn't need to do anything for you in the in that event so you know work with your agent ask questions Uh, make sure you've got coverage that matches your needs. Right, right. Well, thankfully, the risk for consumers going to jail for possessing the cannabis plant is almost eliminated in legal states at this point. So that's great. Uh, But there's still plenty of ways uh, you can get in trouble in the cannabis industry, especially from an operator standpoint. But of course, as you were saying, Adam, you know, we, we would like to prevent that from happening in the first place. 
Um, so let's go a little further into the advice uh, about getting in front of those risks and putting preventive measures in place to protect yourself from threat of potential lawsuit. I like the imagery of, you know, setting up a fortress. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that sounds fun. Maybe, maybe you can get a moat with a dragon. I hear Home Depot selling them for Halloween now. So yeah, what, what else, what other, you know, tools in the tool belt can we pull out for preventing? Well, I, you know, I've got a, I've got a small, again, uh, from a preventative standpoint, regardless of um, which segment of the industry operate in, any of these things can apply to anybody. And I think oftentimes a lot more time and effort is spent on what we need to get in place to protect us, you know, from, from a insurance standpoint or, a, you know, an afterthought uh, versus, versus the before thought. So these things kind of address that. Um, first off, know with whom to engage. Make smart business choices based on history and industry knowledge and experience, goals, or even, even personalities of business partners and clientele. Um, don't be blinded by sales pitches and quick profits or propositions that are too good to be true. We all know that those things don't pan out well in the end. So use common sense and, and do business with people who are like-minded and have the same goals in mind. Um, so that's that's one thing. Transparency, setting proper expectations with regard to products or services that are being rendered. I am the biggest believer in transparency that you'll ever meet. Um, it's probably lost me one too many deals <laughs> in my life because I'm the first to point out not only you know the, the positive sides of things uh, or policies or contracts, but also the potential detriments. And you know, like I said, that that may have lost me a deal or two. However, I'd rather. I'd rather present those things up front every little bit of detail that I can to let somebody make an educated decision about what they're, what they're purchasing, what they're being involved in, what their role in a process is. So I think that goes for anybody as well in the cannabis industry. Don't hide anything about your products, your services, your contracts, lay it all out there from the start so that all the parties involved in a transaction or a business deal know exactly what they're getting into and what everyone's role and responsibility is. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Fair warned is forearmed for however that phrase goes, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that being said, accidents and mistakes happen. We're all human. But if that does occur, be proactive in trying to rectify those situations that could mm -hmm. have a potentially negative outcome and provide good service on every level and treat people well. I mean, I don't know, in my opinion, is, is there anything worse than having a problem with somebody that you've done business with confronting that other party, and then having them deny all responsibility. I mean, like to me, that mm, drives mm -hmm. me absolutely, absolutely nutty. So I don't know, I, I always feel better. And I think just as humans, we do when other people try to help us out and, and take ownership and acknowledge when things could be better. And I think goodwill goes a long way. So if an error or mistake does happen, do what you can to make it right without ego or fear getting in the way. And, mm -hmm. you know, keep in mind that claims and lawsuits are different. Um, don't let a claim lead to a lawsuit and people often have a tendency to uh, want to hide potential claim situations they don't want the rates to go up or or somebody to know about this but actually it's your duty as an insured to to make the insurance company aware of a claim mm -hmm. minute the minute you know that a potential situation could arise so they can put it to rest i mean that's the reason you have insurance so that it can defend you so that it can i mean these these companies have teams of of lawyers that do this for a living. So let them protect you, let them you know, do the right thing. And, uh, you know, when all else fails, just 
you know, make sure you've got defense outside the limits, right, Ian? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Adam, it's funny. I, I, I totally agree with, with particularly, particularly your last statement. I don't think I've ever seen a case that's gotten better because the client, you know, sat on information at the very early stages of, you know, what turned out to be a litigation. You know, it, 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 it never, it never improves uh, by mm. ignoring those first few weeks. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, honesty, transparency, accountability, integrity, these are all, you know, highly valued characteristics in, in individuals and in companies. So I completely understand that and, and appreciate you sharing that advice. Uh, we're going to take our last commercial break and then come back and wrap up our chat with Ian Stewart and Adam Pat. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, talking with a couple individuals from our Risk Management and Insurance Committee at the National Cannabis Industry Association. And I wanted to continue a couple other items here. Um, so when something does go wrong, because you were, you were saying, you know, mistakes happen, things, things happen, Things fall through the cracks. Unfortunately, the operator couldn't avoid the lawsuit or the claim. Now they're getting sued for something. Let's let's talk about those scenarios quickly, what that looks like. Is the operator getting, you know, I, I think of getting served papers at their doorstep. You know, what does that really look like and what happens? Ian? Um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be, you know, the, the first indication that something's really wrong is just receiving uh, what we call the the the, the uh, summons and complaint. So you'll get a complaint and then a, a summons document from the court. And like what Adam was saying a few minutes ago is, you know, it's really important to act on that quickly and to, you know, advise your your lawyer if you have one to advise your insurance broker and the insurance company of what's what's happening so that they can um, take a look to see if there's coverage. Um, but you know, I think that. Um, uh, depending on what state you're in, of course, and whether it's state court or federal court, there's different timing issues that are involved. Uh, and so, you know, it, it really is important to get those professionals involved soon to, to, to protect you from, you know, the, the ticking clock. Um, the other thing I think that's really important is, you know, some people have, um, you know, and it's understandable, it's human nature to, you know, be angry 
get uh, or, or concerned when they get, you know, sued with something and to, you know, send an email that's maybe not well thought out. Hey, what the hell is this? Or, you know, something like that. <laughs> I, I would I would please refrain from doing anything like that um, and just, you know, kind of take a step back, deep breath and um, and talk to the professionals before you before you reach out to the other party. Uh, or, or do something that may um, be, be unwise down the road. Um, and the, you know, and another thing is, um, it's really, um, a, and this is just a good practice across the board, is to, is to keep good documentation. So if you're in a deposition and you're, t- and you're discussing a set of you know, facts on a dispute that's three years old and someone testifies, you know, I told them you know, this helpful fact, or you know, something, you know, I told them something that's gonna be helpful to your case and you don't have anything to back it up, you know, a jury's going to, you know, uh, maybe believe you <laughs> if you're very convincing, but you're in a very different situation if you have concurrent notes or you have an email or you have something that's temporal uh, at the time of the dispute, you know, and it, and it backs up your statement. And so, you know, to the extent that, you know, you, you, you can see a dispute coming or, um, you know, you're, you're afraid perhaps that your business partner that you thought was trustworthy, maybe, you know, you're thinking that maybe they're not trustworthy anymore. It's important to document your communications. And even if it's just contemporaneous notes, then maybe it doesn't have to be an email to their party. It can be something that you just save, you know, to your computer. But, um, you know, that's very helpful to the lawyers down the road. Um, and then, you know, the last thing I think is, is, you know, just getting back to this kind of general, you know, risk management, you know, good advice for companies is to do, um, and other industries have different names for them, but, but many kind of manufacturing, you know, type industries will call this a what if analysis. Um, and a what if analysis, it doesn't have to be a big formal thing. It can be even, you know, just spitballing over a drink at a bar with your colleagues. But you know, having a what if analysis is really helpful because basically it's it's a brainstorming session. What if this happens? What if that happens? OK, if this happens, then what do we have someone to address it? Who's going to be responsible? You know, and so, you know, based on your operations, you sort of can track in a kind of a, you know, flow chart format, you know, what, what could go wrong and how you might want to address it. And that's a really valuable um, uh, thing to do. Uh, and then, you know, be able to say, okay, well, we've got the right professionals lined up. If things happen, you've got your lawyer, your accountant, your insurance broker, your real estate professional, other consultants that you may need, um, you know, just having that kind of professional, you know, layer there kind of to, you know, who, knowing who to call when, when, when something goes wrong. And, you know, um, and I think you put all that together and that's, that's risk management. You know, those are the stools of risk management and um, the people who do it really well um, tend to not face those, um, you know, um, uh, you know, business ending uh, uh, lawsuits. Mm, Um, Yeah. So, so it sounds like in summary, um, run it up the flagpole, don't sweep it under the rug and documentation along the way. Sounds like a really good start. It sure is, and, and, and contract reviews. <laughs> Read your contracts. <laughs> awesome. Well, unfortunately we've run out of time, but I'm so grateful for all the advice and best practices information that, that both of you and others that sit on the risk management and insurance committee at NCIA have been working on. Uh, So thanks to you both for jumping in today. I look forward to seeing you at our trade shows this fall. We'll be in Detroit, September 22nd and 23rd, and San Francisco, December 15th, 16th, and 17th. So I look forward to seeing you there. Head to our website to learn more about those two trade shows. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode 
of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.